0: welcome to episode three of professionals on purpose i've got haley taylor here uh welcome to the show haley
1: thanks so much for having me frankie
0: yeah absolutely thanks for being on here um we got connected via the amazing social media network that is linkedin and so awesome what that can do so thanks for being here before we jump in how can people get connected to you and how can they find out what you're all about
1: Yeah, let's just keep that LinkedIn momentum going and hit me up on LinkedIn.
0: Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so we've got a a few good topics we're going to dive into today from video prospecting to social selling. And uh, you just started a new role. So learning about how to be successful as the first salesperson in the company and really make your mark. Um, So very excited to to get you on here. So as a way of getting started, uh, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got involved in sales and what makes you so passionate about it.
1: Yeah. I really got passionate from sales in my first job as a salesperson, which I didn't know what that was entirely. Um, I was a first-gen college student. My parents have always owned their own companies and never had thought about a sales career for myself, but um, I was really passionate about city planning. And that led me into a startup, of course, being in the Bay Area um, that was connecting city professionals with economic development leaders. Yeah. So I suddenly found myself in a sales role trying to connect these two departments that never talked to each other, um, or maybe at the capacity that they hadn't involved technology. So I was like, this like SaaS software as a sales, like sales as a software thing sounds pretty great. Right. Um, and that, that really started it off right after college. And from then on, I was like, I just love connecting people. And I think sales seems like the best route to go down. So then I went on the more traditional path, um, going going and getting a BDR position and then moving my way up into an account executive.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. What What I love about your early start to sales is like a lot of people jump into sales, just doing it to do it and hopefully making a lot of money. But it seems like you really led with a passion of yours, something that you're actually interested in. And like sales just happened to be the medium that brought you to it. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think the, some of the best salespeople are really driven by um, the financial gain, of course. Yeah. I think the, some of the best people I've ever talked to, salespeople, are really driven by, I need to provide for my family. Yeah. And I loved I loved hearing about that those stories and it really incentivized me to think, well, how else can I drive my other passions that might not be directly related to tech or directly to sales, but how can I drive those passions through um, earning a revenue that I could have never done if I had gone down the route of what I went to
0: school for. Yeah. Yeah. So just having unlimited potential with people that you get to talk to along the way. And hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, sales is all about how much value can you add to the marketplace that you're in and you get compensated for that. So not having a limit to it is, is huge. So that's great to hear. Um, moving on to, you know, what you were doing previously and what you're still passionate about, how you and I originally got connected. Um, Let's talk a little bit about video messaging and why you think it's so important. Uh, what your take is on it? What I what I loved is when I first signed up for video messaging. Uh, you know, it's this big, kind of scary, overwhelming thing where you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. But you know, there's always how do you get started? How do you? What's the low barrier to entry? And you know, you and I started chatting, gave me some tips and tricks. What would you say to somebody who is testing out video marketing and why do you, why do you think it's such a game changer?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, how do you get into it? So I think the, the, the starting point was I didn't want to be an inside salesperson. I didn't, didn't see myself as someone who could just sit at a desk and send emails. Um, and judging from my first couple of weeks on the job, that didn't turn out to be very successful. Yeah. Um, so I was like, how can I get in front of people? And, um, prior to, sales, like in a tech from technology, I was calling people in real estate and in cities and they answer their phones, no problem. So I was like, how can I have that same experience with people that aren't answering their phones? So then I started testing out, what if I just made these selfie videos that took me 10, 15 seconds to record and I could just send these like virtual voicemails with my face. And it gave that feeling of I'm a field sales rep, but yet I have a desk and a computer and those are my resources. So like, I can meet a lot of people faster, but not have to leave my desk, which um, I mean, COVID hit. And I feel like a lot of us had that similar experience. So that's just like, all right, we're we're starting this now. Um, So I think that's how you can get started is just by realizing, well, I don't, the same tools I've had forever, aren't going to get me to where I need to be. And they're not going to introduce me to all the same number of people. I think some research research has shown it's like you can hit 30 percent of people that you would have never gotten through to just using plain text mm-hmm. so if you can put a video you might end up reaching someone that you hadn't had thought of speaking to on the phone or on email before um, and i found a lot of success with it so i just kind of kept going and for how you can get started in like the low barrier to entry is like mess up as many times as possible yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked under- about that, right? Yeah, like, I've seen some very embarrassing videos. Like, for me, it's hard to get outside of being like a robotic person that you're just sending, used to sending an email and trying to make it so professional. But I think the way the world is shifting is you can add some personality to your video or to your messaging. And like, people really respect that. People are shifting away from this quote unquote corporate, everything's got to be buttoned up to, hey, you know, this is who I am. Like, I see that you also like this sport or something on a deeper level let's talk about it and getting past that point and i think video is a great way to do that
1: yeah i just think it's hilarious like well we just got to be human you know Like, we yeah. just got to keep putting our our more human selves in front of people and <laughs> i have no idea how to do that
0: right yeah so for
1: video it was like okay i guess i can just say these things that aren't that clever, if I had written them down, but if I'm just speaking in my own words and staying really authentic to what I have to talk about, and if I have no idea what to say, I can just say what I know and what I feel comfortable saying. And video makes that a lot easier versus getting on a call and feeling all this pressure. At least that's how I felt.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: you've probably done, had your days with cold calling, but I had a really hard time getting started yeah.
0: Well, people don't answer calls usually, but that too. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a whole different topic. But I think what what's nice about video messaging, um, I've always heard this quote with prospecting: everything works, but nothing works at the same time. So you might as well do it all. But with video messaging, it kind of warms up the conversation. So I use it as a first touch a lot of times, where they can get to know who I am behind this email alias behind this. LinkedIn brand and actually hear my voice, good, bad, or ugly. And then I go cold call them or I send them an email or send them a LinkedIn message, you know, whether or not they actually went and watched the whole video, they can at least get a taste of who I am. And I'm a real person on the other line. So is that what you feel works well or? Yeah,
1: yeah. that's a great point too. I mean, like you said, there's so much power in hearing your voice too, right? Right. Like in the case that you have a discovery call, it didn't go so great and it's not the right fit. Um, perhaps there's an opportunity for you to send like a thank you video and you get introduced to three new perfect fit customers. So I just think there's so many opportunities where like you say voice and just like inserting your personality, even if it's not the right contact or person to be speaking to, there's so many ways that you can use video that you, that you really wouldn't be able to Um, like keeping it, keeping a dialogue going in an email thread, because it would always relate back to the subject matter when video is so much more than that. It's like right. who I am as a person, remember me, Frankie. It yeah, it has this magic to it.
0: Yeah, it breaks patterns because everybody's just on their keyboard or on their c- computer, just droning out emails day in and day out, ping another email, ping another email, ping another email. And then all of a sudden you see Haley, you get a video from you, you're gonna open it up whether or not you know what what they're talking about, and that's just gonna help you kind of get in the conversation even more so i've actually a funny use case for video to your point of it can be used for everything we um (laughs) we sent a cold blast email out to one company trying to get in the door and just cross reference and multi-thread across multiple personalities made the stupid mistake of sending the same email to 50 people and i first of all i don't recommend doing that because companies they talk to each other believe it or not even if they're working from home <laughs> go figure so I used a video message to send to my champion and say hey you know what that was a stupid mistake I'm sorry give me another shot i um, still waiting to hear back from her to be fully transparent but you can use video for all sorts of things so I don't know it's it's a fun tool what would you say to um, you know because there's going to be some enterprise listeners, s and listeners, and even um, managers on here listening. What would you say to somebody who's in an SDR role versus an AE role? Does video change how you use it? Or do you think it can be used in different, different methods or modalities? What's your take on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing with different use cases and I've seen like similar to you in your creative use case for like, Hey, we did some really poor automation here or yeah. like we did something I didn't know that was happening. So let me just go send a video on top of it and try to either remedy or just like improve the experience. I think SDRs and ads have that same uh, opportunity constantly. Because there's usually if you have an SDR and AE motion, there's usually a marketing team that's hitting your leads the same time that you're going after them. And that's where that like battle of sales and marketing alignment comes from. So uh, yeah. with using video, it's, it still hasn't fully developed into marketing teams. And when I speak to marketing teams, they're always concerned about like, how do we keep the brand? How do we focus on making it corporate? Right. And with video, like these quick, and the videos we're talking about, right. are like one-off, Hey Frankie, it's Haley connecting. Cause saw you on LinkedIn here and this post is awesome. We should catch up sometime. Like that type of touch is what makes you stand out. Um, and the things you say, of course, are going to be different. If you're an SDR who has never met the person versus if you're an AE and you just had three calls with that client, you're might right. be you might be saying different things, but yeah, the experience is the same.
0: Yeah. So I guess the point there is no matter what role you're in, if you're an SDR, an AE, or even for a, you know, a CEO for that matter, you can use video to your advantage.
1: Yeah. And be thinking about like where, where it's unique and where it stands out in your process. For some people, it's, let me just stick this waving GIF of me in my email signature. Right. And they're going to see an increased reply rate of like 30%. I've seen that as high as just because everything else the company has been sending out either on their behalf or as, as their brand has been um, relatively the same. And then you just suddenly surprise someone and they say, wow, this, yeah. is, this is awesome personalization. I've never seen anything like this. And yeah. you've suddenly built like some of that change management at your company and you stand out as someone who's doing something different and impressing whether it's the right time or not, whether it's banned or not. Yeah. You're, in front, you're now suddenly in front of a persona that, hadn't responded to your emails ever.
0: That's such a good point. Wait, so we need to stop on that point. You said you send an email signature with a GIF. Are you doing something that's. Auto that that's not automated or maybe like, Hey, this is Haley. Thanks for, thanks for reading my email. Or is it specific to the conversation at the end? Cause I think that's a really good hack that you just mentioned.
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest like barrier to entry with video is people are like, Oh, it takes too much time. Yeah. Like they're just instantly put off by, oh, I've got to record videos every day. That doesn't make sense. Right. So what I recommend for those people who are like, oh, I need to do my hair and make sure I can record today. If you can't do that, fine, just record a GIF and you can paste it in your email signature of you smiling and waving and send that out. A lot of people uh, have started putting like their headshot in their, uh, in their email signature too. And I was like, why don't we just-
0: GIF is next, Our GIF is next level.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can post it notes. Like people do creative things, but just having that face has, has been increasing reply rates because people are like, Oh, I remember Frankie. I remember seeing, I remember seeing him on that discovery call we did 20 years ago.
0: I love that. That's so smart. All right. So that's a great action item. Can you think of two other action items that people can start to implement video or gifts in right away?
1: Yeah, I think that the top one where we see the most engagement has been on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So um, Gartner did a study a couple of years ago and they saw that you can send blank connection requests and see uh, just as a successful rate of conversion in comparison to including a note. So what I do and what I've advised teams to do is instead of send, spending all this time personalizing a message, just send as many connection requests as you can to people, of course, that are relevant and that you have something to say to But once you connect, you can just message a video and say, thanks for connecting. Mm. It's like the easiest go, go to practice strategy, because you may not have a pitch or something to say quite yet, but you have, you can say thank you. And in the case that they were like, oh, you know, I've actually been researching your company or I've seen you around or, um, cool posts. You then, then created that opportunity.
0: Do you think it's smart? What do you think is a better play to, to just say thank you and add that deposit as a goodwill feeling or or throw a pitch in there uh, if you can with a video. Do you see success for one versus the other?
1: I think for people that are outbound and they're trying to build those new relationships with companies, it, it's, it's pretty risky because it is a social network and if you come at it from this is my first touch and I'm gonna hit you with a sales pitch, mm-hmm. it's not as successful. If yeah. someone was inbound and they've been reading your blogs and keeping up with your company, maybe they attended a webinar three months ago, sure, remind them what you do and kind of ask a few questions always treat video like there happens to be someone on the other line. Like you're talking to the camera and you just pretend there's someone else there. So if you can do that in an engaging way, it's not going to come off as a sales pitch as much. So that would be the other piece of it too, is sure you can pitch, but make sure you ask
0: questions. Right. That's so true. Yeah. You wouldn't show up on a zoom call. And the first thing you say is, Hey, I know you're dealing with this problem. I've got this awesome thing. You want to buy it? So that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. All right, so so first thing, add a gift to the bottom of your email. Second thing, use uh, video within LinkedIn. What's the third one?
1: Yeah, um, so I think it depends on your channel, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people I talk to right now are struggling with cold calls because mm-hmm. they have, or their company gave them office phone numbers and no one's in the office. So if you're still struggling with that and you do happen to get someone on the line, it's a huge deal and you should celebrate it and you should let it be known that you've got a hold of them. So let's not let that opportunity slide. Just send them a quick video and say, hey, thanks for the call today. In the case you booked a meeting, like say looking forward to speaking to you on Thursday. But in the case that you didn't, hook them, right? That's the perfect moment to say, like, we had a great conversation today. It sounds like you're working on this and you might be stressed, anxious, concerned about this. We should, we should touch base sometime next week. And they'll remember your voice. Like we talked about earlier, right? Like that's, that's where the magic happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So have after a, a cold call. after a cold call, if you don't, if they don't answer or what does that look like?
1: Ooh, if they don't answer, I I've had a few people try it. I think mm-hmm. you could say something like, I left you a voicemail. I think like best practice, at least what I'm hearing and tell me what you've been coached or told. But yeah, like people are leaving voicemails, but they're not telling people to call them back. Right. Have you heard that?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never done that. I always give them my number and say, call me back. But like, to be honest, nobody ever calls me back. So I usually have to send a, I haven't tried sending a video message saying, hey, I just cold call or not cold called you, but hey, I just called you. This is what I want to talk about or something like that. But yeah, that'd be a good idea.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to treat prospects almost like my grandma, where like, I know she's going to call me, right? I'm like, oh, she's, they're going to call me. So I just, I've been trying to say like, this is why I called. Um, I sent you over like information, in your email, or like I, I texted it to you. So you don't need to call me back, but you have it. And just right. hanging out. And I like, I have been told, don't put your phone number. I don't know though. Like, I'm, I don't do people have caller ID. I'm not sure, but we should, we should keep an eye on that. But the video no, that's, is great.
0: That's a good point. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, everybody has your number when you call, you know, like i don't know any phone that wouldn't show your number at this point and if you do like it's probably not the person you want to be selling to anyways so um yeah i like that like you're going in with a little bit of swag like hey no you're gonna call me back basically I'm, i'll send you the information that you need from me talk to you soon kind of thing so that's good that's good what about um, moving to maybe a little bit off video and more onto linkedin or social selling or whatever Whatever the case is there, what are you seeing success over there versus um, have you played around with the LinkedIn voice thing at all? What's it called? Uh, voice message. Yeah, the
1: voice messages. Yeah. I get them all the time. People do you ever respond. I'm like, do I send them back? I kinda just want to call you. Kind of
0: awkward, I, right?
1: It, it's kinda awkward. Yeah. What is your experience been?
0: I send I send them and if people respond. Nine times out of 10, it's, it's a uh, you know, t- you know, text message back or text versus a voice message. So I think it kind of catch p- catches people off guard still at this point, but I do like it because it again, it's a pattern interrupt. So it might be a good way to like break up your normal outreach and then you know, know that you might not get a response, but keep going with follow-up. I don't know, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, I'm curious if you use them cold. Like, would you send them to someone you just connected with, or is it usually like you had a dialogue going and you just send a quick reply?
0: I've tried both. Um, You can't, so first of all, you can't send it without actually having a first connection, which you likely know, but for anybody listening, you have to be actually connected to them first on LinkedIn, at least. Um, I've sent responses, like you were saying for video, like, Hey, thanks for connecting. Um, I'm going to shift to video though. I think it's way more powerful than just sending out LinkedIn voice messages.
1: Well, the reason I think it's more powerful is not because like it's it's tried and true, but psychology has said like since the 1800s that body language and your tone has so much more to do with getting getting a response and starting the communication than it does like actually hearing what you said. So like if you yeah. mess up your pitch and you say a bunch of jibber jabber, people are seeing you and they're watching you. And that's 93% of how humans communicate with each other. And that's why gifts are so like everywhere because yeah. people are like, look at this guy right. falling down the escalator. It's so relatable on a right. Monday morning. And it just, it just speaks so much louder than words. So I think of voice messages. I'm like, okay, it, what, what are they saying? Like, is this getting to the point? Like I just have a harder time following along and maybe that's because I'm more visual, but when I've tried recording them, I feel awkward, which is weird. Cause it, most people feel awkward showing their face on camera, but I think it just depends
0: mm-hmm.
1: like what feels more natural.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like, yeah, that's such a good point. Do what feels, do what feels better. Like if, if you don't, like being on video or whatever reason don't do it but if you think you have a great radio voice and you can really get people's attention with your voice like go for that too but i would challenge everybody who's listening get outside your comfort zone a little bit and you gotta you gotta try them because you won't know until you try it so um yeah that's what that's what i've been doing i think naturally i like just jumping on video better because (laughs) <laughs> I kind of have a monotone voice if I'm not careful. So I think video, you can like express yourself and people can see who you are. So I'm a big fan of video, but I'd be curious if others listening, like the voice piece better.
1: Yeah. I've heard, I've heard all the reasons why. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, LinkedIn, I'll share my email after this, but um, happy to, happy to talk to you. And it's, it's usually just a matter of like getting over your own I don't like the words imposter syndrome, but getting over whatever it is that you think you suck at and just deciding, all right, I'm going to try it. And if 10 people tell me to stop sending these, maybe I will, but maybe the 11th person will respond and I'll book my biggest opportunity. So it's, it's tough to say, but you gotta, you gotta get out there and make, make fun of yourself.
0: Totally. I mean, that's such a good point because I think prospecting the hardest thing, the hardest thing about sales in my opinion is prospecting. That's why I think SDRs and BDRs, they arguably have one of the hardest jobs in selling. And then if you go to a position as an AE where your company heavily focuses on you still being part of that prospecting aspect, how do you continue to have faith when you're just beating your head against the wall week after week and just sending out, let's say you send out a hundred video messages, Maybe you're better at that probably at this point, but let's say you send out a hundred video messages and you still haven't gotten a response. How do you pump yourself up the next day to go in there with full force and still believe in what you're doing and believe in what you're selling? Do you have any tips around that?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest mindset adjustment you can make is, um, not, I'm going to sit down and make some videos because. Boy, that just sounds like, that just sounds fun. And that's just I really going to really, get you out of bed. <laughs> yeah, just the thing to get you out of bed and yeah. have you go take a shower. Well, I got to make these videos. So, right. uh, no, it's like I wake up and I like my roommate was laughing at me. I was like, well, I'm going to go book some meetings. And I just sit down and I turn my camera on and I start recording. Like yes. my entire reasoning for doing this is because I'm going to book meetings. And I don't know if there are going to be opportunities, but I know I'm going to book meetings and I'm going to talk to as many people as possible. And if you have the attitude of, well, I need 12 discovery calls books this week, like you will, you will see it through and through because you will come on camera and you will look authentic and wanting to talk to people versus like, this is the 11th video I've made today. You start, your tone comes down, right? Your, your excitement comes down and people can, people can see it as much as they can hear it. Right. Totally. Own video. so. It's, it's all about the mindset. And if you can hype yourself up to say, I'm going to go book meetings versus I'm going to go make videos, it's a, it's a different mindset.
0: Totally. I, it's, we don't get paid for, one of my mentors used to say, and still does, we don't get paid for the metrics. We don't get paid for the dials. We don't get paid for the emails. We get paid for the meetings. We get paid for the closed revenue that we bring into our company. So if you're focusing on the end in mind where you've, you're going to book 12 meetings today, and then you can bring that feeling into the very first piece of your morning where you're like, okay, how will I feel at the end of the day? What, what emotions, what excitement, what gratitude will I have? And then just like bring that into day, you know, meeting or call one, you're going to have a way better time versus just got to check the box because nobody likes checking boxes anyways, you know?
1: Yeah. And like, be kind to yourself too. Like if it's not your day, it's not your day. But at the same time, if you're experimenting and you're stuck. I think it's the best time because then you, you, ha- you let your guard down, right? You're, you're less yeah. caught up in where's my script? What are all the right things to say? Just test, just test it. And if it's video or if it's writing new email copy, I find my most, my most creative days are when I actually have the time to think about, okay, I have, I have 30 minutes right now or I have nothing to do. I'm gonna go book some meetings and I just set that as my attitude.
0: I love that. Let's break down the actual video, what it is comprised of a little bit further, what's the perfect length and what do you think makes up the perfect message with like a call to action and stuff like that? Can you break that down a little bit?
1: Yeah. Can I, can I split it out based on your channel you're sending?
0: Yeah, please.
1: Okay. I think, I think LinkedIn and what I've seen success with and what I hear from SDRs specifically is you have to keep it under 15 seconds on LinkedIn.
0: Wow,
1: yeah, it's like anyone director level or higher, and this is not drift video. This is not anything related particular to a specific product, but um, in a marketing agency called WordStream last year showed that it's like sixty percent of executives director level or higher that are only going to spend um, the first fifteen seconds to decide if they want to keep watching. Hmm. So if you're going to be a new connection on LinkedIn, or if you're going to send someone a quick pitch after discovery call on LinkedIn, you have to be really strategic about how you open it and start it out. So keeping those shorter and much shorter than you'd think of saying it wide as it you made the video and then giving a CTA is probably a safer bet than talking for two to three minutes. I think on LinkedIn, you, you don't run that risk as much because people have clicked on your email and they've chosen to look at it. You still have to do the job of intriguing them in the first
0: You mean on five, email we're talking about now, right?
1: Yeah, now an email.
0: Okay, got it.
1: So maybe that one, maybe that one, you can be a bit longer. But LinkedIn, think under 15 seconds, and then email should be like 30 to 90 seconds.
0: Okay, okay. And on LinkedIn, so you said reason you're reaching out and a call to action. So not to put you on the spot, could you give me an example?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I would, I would hit you up on LinkedIn and I'd say, Hey Frankie, uh, made you this video. Thank you for having me on your podcast earlier today. Uh, I'm super excited to work with you more and hear how it comes out. Let me know if there's anything I can help with in the meantime, I want to share it with my network. So send me a link. Uh, and in the case you want to record another one, respond to this video, chat with me, book a time on my calendar. Here's a link. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you soon.
0: Nice. Short and sweet. I like yeah. it. Yeah, and that's like an easy uh, call to action versus asking for, you know, them to open up their pocketbook. And I don't, and do I don't people- mention where I
1: work, where yeah. you work, and anything that has to do with our companies, right? It's person to person, and that's why one-to-one video is so successful versus like sending a marketing video. If you're just going to like talk and look like a marketing video, like telling a pitch or saying how you can help, it's not going to land the same.
0: Totally can you successfully create drift videos and throw them in like outreach or sales loft and have an automation where you're still talking to the persona but maybe you're not using their name and it's a little bit more generic but it's still like a fun catchy video that's not robotic have you seen success there
1: yeah tell me what you think of this name because we're just talking about it but what do you think of the name evergreen video would that describe kind of what you're what you're saying of like you can send it to anyone
0: totally yeah
1: So I don't know yet, we're playing with that, but um, some people on our team, and I've I've seen a few SDRs really successful with this evergreen video, which is, hey, it's Haley, I had a couple ideas for how we might be able to help. And then you can just list off your two or three pain points. And like I said, I always start off with those stressed, anxious, or confused, because no one's gonna watch if it's rewards based, right? Like people need to be in pain to like actually go take an action. So I list those three things and then I'm like, all right, here's the product. Because some people are more visual, and if you sell into, I don't know, a product leader, someone in design, or if you sell someone that's more technical, they're gonna want to see something before they just like hear a sales pitch. So maybe you yeah. just hop into sharing your screen on the video, and that 10 second intro with the 30 to 40 second um, like demo has been working really successfully. And then you can just give your CTA at the end that you want to connect with them. You don't have to say their name, but you want to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And here's how they can get in touch with you.
0: Got it. So something like, Hey, I've talked with a lot of, so I sell to salespeople. I've talked with a lot of vice presidents of sales. They hate the fact that they have to spend a lot of time trying to get answers from sales reps around what their forecast looks like, putting together spreadsheets. This is how we can help. And then you jump into the product and then you have your call to action, something like that.
1: Yeah, like when I talk to VPs of sales, they're really anxious about how long it's going to take their sales reps to get them back their forecasts. <laughs> and so I've got a couple ideas for how we can help quick screen share, even if it's just a picture. Like if you, if you don't feel confident, like moving around and navigating quite yet, I know I don't. I've been told I'm like the worst at giving demos ever. So I, rarely <laughs> I don't show my screen. <laughs> um, but in the case that that is, you could just show an image and then put it back on yourself and say, like, let me know what you think. Thanks so much for your time and watching. People will say, is this a personalized demo? Just, just for me, they'll feel this sense of warmth and they'll want to respond to you.
0: I love it. I I have some stuff to change in my outreach now that we're talking.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That, that, that kind of ties into my new role, but I learned all of this from triangle selling. So I'll, I'll have to send you that.
0: Tell me, tell me about your new role in triangle selling. Let's dig into that.
1: Yeah, I just started at um, a new sales management consulting firm. I shouldn't say new. They've been around for three, four years, but they've written five books and they've got four more coming out this year. Wow. So they're just crushing it in terms of content. And they reached out to me two years ago and were saying, hey, I see you're in an SDR role, probably looking to get promoted. They mailed me a free copy of their sales development book and it worked. I learned what I was good at, which was video was kind of complemented by what the things I could say and my ultimate goal, which was, I don't want to make thousands of these and I don't want to follow up a ton of times. So how can I just book the meeting from sending one video? Yeah. So they helped me with that. And then when it came to getting into the Drift video, first sales hire for that role, they said, like they had advised in their sales playbook strategy, which is um, like, know exactly what you're going to say. So you don't come onto calls unsure of the result. So And it's been really helpful. Like I was able to plan out, figure out who my target personas were, market segmentation, things I'd never done before at any other company. I I grabbed their sales playbook and I figured it out. And of course got some guidance from a manager and other people on my team, but it was super constructive just figuring out like, here's all the features we offer. Here's the pains they solve. um, And what can I, what questions can I go ask to get people to admit they have those pains? Yeah. So that was killer. And then I heard... Um, they were saying, you know, you were someone that we helped coach and we really enjoyed working with you on your sales playbook. Do you want to come be our first sales hire? And it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So that's kind of how I landed here. But like, ultimately, reading triangle selling changed the trajectory of my sales career. And it was, it was what made me so successful in my last quarter at Drift.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like triangle selling comes down to being prepared, having the playbook kind of in your mind before you go on to every call. Is that a good summary of it or what would you add anything to yeah, it? Yeah.
1: I think like the quickest thing is like five fast frameworks. So mm-hmm. it's like if you're doing spin selling, you're doing, um, challenger sale, whatever you're using, um, they teach you all these things that you need to get, but they don't actually say, or maybe you have your own way of doing it, but asking how to get those answers that would lead you to have that information. So the five fast frameworks are like planning for your meetings, setting a velocity plan to get next steps, um, scale, which is what I was saying, like stressed, anxious, confused. Using their five fast frameworks, you can just memorize and do just pattern match. Like as you talk to VPs of sales, you'll just suddenly start saying, well, when I speak with VPs of sales, right. they say they're, they're anxious, confused and stressed about this. And it just becomes so natural. And I mm-hmm. think from, I talked to someone yesterday. He's like, "Yeah, I've been using this for two months, and like, I know exactly what to say. It's just helpful in terms of building a structure that you wouldn't have had from knowing, like, okay, I need to get budget, authority, timeline. Like, how do you get those? How do things? I do it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Is it similar to? So we use uh, something called Medic. Have you heard of yeah. Medic before? Is it similar to that, where you have questions underneath it, and it's kind of like your guiding principles throughout your process?"
1: Yeah, so we use Medic at my last company as well. Um, it was rolled out. I don't know if this is similar to you, but it was rolled out like in a one-day sales training. Did you have oh, wow. a similar experience?
0: Uh, on, honestly, no, I didn't. Um, I'm very, very passionate and proud of the company that I work for because they do a really good job of of rolling that training out. And it's kind of like what our culture is all about. It's not just to check the box, but like everybody from the top down really buys into it. And I think that's what it takes to use a framework like Medic.
1: Yeah. I agree. I think you need that. Um, but in the case it is like one day rollout, like here's medic and these are the fields and this is how we entered into Salesforce. That's how I was felt or left feeling as a sales rep. Like I understood that I needed to get um, a metric and I needed to get an economic buyer and there was things that I needed to get. But for me, it just felt like, okay, I need to have these things so my manager can check Salesforce and see that the boxes are checked. Yeah. And I didn't actually know how to go, how to go get those things. Like how do I, fill out those boxes without asking the right questions. So when I applied what I learned in the five fast frameworks to like, what are these specific things I ask to get those answers? It was so much easier for me to say, just got off a discovery call, going to create the opportunity. And here's my medic fields because miraculous. I got, I got exactly what I needed.
0: I wish we had time to dig into that a little bit more, but where can somebody go find more information on the triangle framework?
1: Yeah. So the book is on Amazon. It's called triangle okay. selling by Corey Bray and Hillman. Sori. Also highly recommend sales playbooks. If you happen to be on an SMB team and you're trying to build out your own sales motion, it was super helpful for me as the first sales hire at drift. Um, and yeah, if you have any other questions or you want to, you want a free copy, just email me and I'm happy to send you one your way.
0: Cool. Uh, two last questions before we wrap up. So number one, is there anything else you would wish I asked you or anything you want to cover real quick?
1: Well, I'm so glad you didn't ask me, like, what's your most embarrassing moment in sales? No, we're going to skip that part.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we talked about mine, so you're off the hook.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, good.
0: (laughs) So nothing, uh, nothing else you want to add or you think we covered most of what? I would love to have you on again and talk more about triangle selling. I mean, that sounds super, super interesting to me. Um, so yeah, that'd be we good. should do a
1: deep dive on like playbooks. That would be a really fun conversation because I think that's the hardest part as an individual contributor is like what do I have control over on my team and what can I do differently to like impress my manager or like get some of these processes instilled so that I can be at the top of the leaderboard.
0: Totally. Yeah, I would love to do that. So seeing that this is the uh, Professionals on Purpose podcast, um, I'd love to ask you, what do you, how do you define what living and working professionally on purpose?
1: Ooh, I like it. I think, I think I go into every day thinking that my professional like work life isn't separate from my personal life. I think that's something you find with, with when you get really get into your career. And it sounds like you've really found that at a great spot and at people AI, because you're just really passionate about the people and the process. And for me, like living that purpose is where can I figure out where I can live like my personal life, which happens to be my strength with video and mm-hmm. apply it to my business or professional relationship. So it's kind of a broad way of saying, I just feel like my my, my strengths in my personal life have tied back to what I can do professionally. And I'm a better family member, friend, uh, and probably ex-colleague or whatever it may be to people I've crossed paths with um, because of what I've learned in business. So,
0: I love it. Haley, thanks on so purpose. much for being on the show. Yeah. I appreciate all the insights on video, social selling, living a life on purpose. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Frankie. we will see you yeah. soon.
0: Talk soon.